place for fear in a loving relationship and people don't talk about this either like if you love someone you should fear hurting them like I love my kids but like I fear that because you know I'm not perfect that I'm going to mess them up I fear breaking their heart I fear wounding their heart I feel sometimes my responses to things and that's not like a bad thing Proverbs says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Today, Pastor Daniel echoes this when he shares that fearing God marks a life lived with Christ at the center. But fear isn't just being scared of judgment. It's also a protection. In any meaningful relationship, you don't want to do anything that would hurt those you love. In this way, the fear of the Lord honors God and keeps you from making a big mess of your life. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in 1 Chronicles chapter 16 as he continues his message, Get the Word Out. The telling of the good news, when somebody says yes to the good news, they become a disciple of Jesus. They become someone who follows Jesus. So we're told that because Jesus has all the authority that we should go and we should go make disciples by the telling of the good news. And when someone receives them, we baptize them and we teach them all the things that Jesus commands us. And he says, and guess what? As you go about making disciples, then I'm going to be always with you, no matter what. I'm always going to be with you as you go. It's easy to tell people within church about Jesus. But if you don't ever tell people within church about Jesus, it's even harder to tell people outside the church. Right? It's the same way. It's like, You learn things at home or in a small group before you go take it public, right? So you have to learn it within a safe environment. And so we want you to be able to share the good news with your brothers and sisters who already know the good news. And then as you do that, then you get comfortable. And then before you know, you're out and you're just talking to people. And it's not, I don't want you to be weird about it. Like Pastor Daniel told me to tell you the good news. So do you know Jesus? That's not good news. That's weird, you know? But your conversations about Jesus should be as casual and personal as anything else you talk about. So we should be telling everyone the good news. And when Jesus is the center of your life, you do that. Now, look what happens next. Verse 25 of First Chronicles 16, it says, For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is also to be feared above all gods. So I say it to you this way, that you need to praise and fear the Lord. You need to praise and fear the Lord. Now, I mean, it's beautiful here because really what he's saying is for the Lord is great and because God is great, he's greatly to be praised. So the human response to the presence of God is to praise God. Now, listen, it's not a weird thing to think that you should praise God because when someone does something good, what should you do? You should praise them for it. Right? Like, like if you're raising kids and, and all you want is for your kid to like put their dishes in, in the sink after dinner and they do that, what should you say? Great job. You're awesome because whatever you celebrate, you get more of. And so like if you're at work, right? And let's say you say you're training somebody and the very first time they do that data ent- entry right, you should be like, awesome. That's it right there. 
Because the positive reinforcement helps people grow. Now, here's the thing. God doesn't need positive reinforcement because he feels deficient. God is praiseworthy, so we praise him. You actually walk in truth when you praise God. Because God always does good things. If you don't believe me, how many of you saw the lightning a few nights ago? Yeah, now, you may not like lightning, but that stuff's pretty awesome, isn't it? I mean, some of my favorite photos is when a photographer catches the lightning at the right time, and you see the thing, and it's like, man, God just made that. That's like a moment of God's artistic work. Last night when the sun was going down, where I live in North County, it was like the sun was going down, but the, the sun peeked out under the cloud line, and the colors were just awesome. Like, now, if somebody, if Bob Ross with his big fro would be up there, man, I'm going to make me a nice little sunset right here. You know what I mean? We'd be like, wow. I mean, he was on TV forever, right? He's a cultural icon. That was just one of infinite numbers of sunsets that God is painting. And guess what? Depending on where you live and your vantage point, the sunset looks different for everybody. I mean, think about how cool that is. When Bob Ross, he made his happy little clouds, they're always just that one happy little cloud. All along the globe, at any given moment, God is doing infinite happy little clouds for people. See, God deserves praise because all the things that God does is awesome. God's work is done. And so we should live a life praising the Lord. He's greatly to be praised. There's infinite reasons to praise God. And when God is the center of your life, you begin to praise God. Because God always does those things well. Everything that God has done is well. Even when things go bad. You realize that because God is good and God can redeem things, you could say, God, I don't understand this, but I praise you. I think it was uh, Horatio Spatford. Remember, he was he lost everything in the Chicago fires, and then his wife and his kids were traveling across uh, back to uh, um, Europe, and then their uh, their boat sank, and they all passed away. Horrible story. He he sent his family away from the Chicago fires, and sure enough, when he was going back to Europe. You know, right as his boat hit the spot where his wife and daughters died, he sat down and he wrote a hymn, it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Because he's saying, when things go wrong, you're still good. And so we should praise God. But we should only praise God. I mean, that's kind of a given. But then notice what it also says in verse 25. He is also to be feared above all gods. So I said that we need to praise and fear the Lord. Now, this is something that nobody talks about today. I mean, everyone wants to talk about Jesus as their homeboy, right? God's my buddy. You know, he's my father. But we don't ever actually talk very much about fearing God. And I think we're not better because of it. Now, it says this in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. It says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, think about that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, that's kind of a powerful statement because when you think, well, what's the beginning of wisdom? I've, like, unless you read the Bible, you're not going to say, well, fearing God is the beginning of wisdom. Right? Because the, the idea is that we have to fear God because God ultimately, in him we live and move and have our being. Ultimately, our lives are judged by God. We give an account for our lives before God. Now, this is an amazing thing that we live in a day and age where your spouse might judge you, your kids might judge you, your, your coworkers might judge you, you might have employee reviews, and, and, and your boss judges you. You get judged on social media, you get judged here or there. But guess what? All those judgments actually don't matter at all. Because the only judgment that truly matters is what God says about who you are. 
Now, I'm not saying those things are inconsequential. They have great consequences. But in the end of the day, all that matters is who God says that we are. And the thing is, is I don't think for very often we think very much about fearing God. And what's amazing is we should only fear God because he is the judge of all the earth. I mean, it says in the book of Hebrews, it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a living God. I remember the first time I read that, be like, man, what does that even mean? And as I thought about it, you know what I realized? You know what it means? The last thing you want is to be judged without Jesus by a perfect God. That's a terrible thing. Because, listen... God knows everything about us. I mean, there are things that I have done that I don't even know that I did that were totally jacked up. Now, if I just take all the things that I know that I did that was jacked up, that's a pretty solid list. And actually, if you, if there was like a running scroll on the screens of all the jacked up things I've done in 43 years, nobody would come to Crossroads. And the only thing that actually gives me any solace is if your jacked up stuff was on there, no one would want to talk to you either. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, we all just have, like, there's so many things, right? Things that with the benefit of hindsight and, and looking back, being like, I totally shouldn't have, I can't believe I, I lied to that person. You know, there's that great scene. You remember the movie Moneyball? You guys ever watched that about, about the Oakland A's? There's this scene where the GM was played by Brad Pitt and no GM is as handsome as Brad Pitt, but that's a different discussion. He's talking to this guy who's like the assistant GM, and he's like, I asked you to do player evaluations, right? And he's like, yeah. How many did you do? I did, I did 48, 49. He's like, well, I asked you to do five. He's like, well, I did 49. And then he stops, and the, and the GM goes, actually, I did 52. I don't know why I told you I did less. And then you start thinking about that, like, so sometimes we lie about things that because we're just trying to stay out of trouble. And sometimes we just lie about things because we're liars. Like, it's not, it's not quite honest, right? But in that moment in the movie, he realized what he did, and he, and he caught himself, and he was being honest. But how many times do we do things we don't even realize how messed up it was? Like, it's like you didn't even realize that. Like, you had no clue. Still to this day, you didn't even realize that you did this thing. It was beautiful. Your motives were all jacked up. Had no clue about it. And the thing is, is the reason it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God is because in the light of a perfect God, nobody stands except for Jesus himself. And we should fear that. The pure eyes of God who sees us as we are. But what's beautiful is, is not only should we fear God because he's a judge, but we should also there's a, a beautiful place for fear in a loving relationship. And people don't talk about this either. Like, if you love someone, you should fear hurting them. Like, I love my kids. But, like, I fear that because, you know, I'm not perfect, that I'm going to mess them up. I fear breaking their heart. I fear wounding their heart. I feel sometimes my responses to things. And that, that's not like a bad thing. I actually think I should fear it more. Be more realizing that their hearts are fragile. That my bride, her heart is fragile. Not because they're weak, but because they're people. They're vulnerable. It's like in relationship, like I should fear breaking your hearts, all of you. Because I love you and I don't want to hurt anybody. I would never want to hurt anybody, right? And so there's something very powerful within a relationship that you're like, I actually would never want to hurt that person. And there's a, a healthy, holy fear there. And how different would we treat people if we actually felt that way? 
See, that's one of the ways that we fear the Lord. I mean, listen to what it says in Psalm uh, 31, verse 19. It says, oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. So you hear that? He's saying, the, the psalmist is saying, God, your goodness is so amazing and you've laid it up for those who fear you, for those who trust you. So one of the ways that we experience the goodness of God in this life is by fearing him and trusting him. And there was a book that was written some years ago called The Joy of Fearing God. It was a bestseller. Not. It should have been though. Right? Because you, you, you go into a bookstore. Remember, there were stores that had books in it before Amazon just had pictures of the covers. You know? But even if you, you go on Amazon, it's like, you know, you look at the recommendations are like, how to live faster, stronger, and more handsome than you ever had before. Or the joy of fearing God. You know what I mean? Like, like the average person is going to pick the be quicker, faster, more wealthy, you know, more handsome, whatever, you know? But really, the joy of fearing God is pretty powerful. Because what happens is, is when you fear God, it's a deepening of the relationship. And my friends, listen, when was the last time you said, you know, I fear the Lord. I don't want to do that because I fear God. I think that fearing God is one of the great things that hem our lives in from really making a big mess. And for any of us who've made a big mess of our lives, and I'm in that category with you, if you look back at it, the reason you did what you did is because you didn't fear God at all. You just did what you wanted to do, right? You just, you just did what, like, I'm just going to do that. But then all of a sudden, when you start to fear God, you start saying, you know what? If I fear the Lord, I'm not going to do that. When you start to fear breaking your spouse's heart or hurting your kids, it starts to adjust. It, it, it becomes guardrails now for your life where you're like, you know what? I don't want to do that. I was just talking to someone recently. I'm so proud of people who realize that they're, they have life-controlling habits, and they say, listen, I'm going to stop doing that. I was talking to someone just recently. It was super, super, it was a scary moment. I remember we were traveling, me and a bunch of pastors we were coming back from a conference and we ended up at a rest area on I-5 and, and all of a sudden, you know, we were using the restroom and everything and all of a sudden this guy just rolls up on us. You know, and I've been around the block, so I'm like, oh, here we go. You know what I mean? Like, cause, and he rolled up on us like it was, it was tough and he was looking real ragged. And I remember at that moment, I'm like, oh, it's going down right now. I have no clue what's going to go on, but something's going down. And then he rolls up and he gets right close to us in his face, like, Pastor Daniel. And I'm just like, like, I thought we were throwing down. I thought it was going to go real bad, you know? And he's like, and he gave me a big hug. He's like, I'm on my way to rehab right now. That's what he says. I'm on my way to rehab right now. And he's like, man, it's, I've, been, I've been in the hole. I've been in the hole real bad. It's been so bad. I'm going to rehab right now. And it was funny, like the guy who was working security for us rolled up late on this thing. And he was all like, because it was, it, did, it was a shade. It, it looked super shady. Like it was like, I thought it was going to go really, really bad. Right. And so then we start praying with this guy. And I'm like, do you have a ride? Yeah, I got a ride. I'm, I'm, it's all squared away. But like, he looked like he had been a long bender, you know, really it was rugged. So, and so sure enough, like, we've told that story many, many times about, like, I wonder what happened. Well, guess what? I ran to that guy on Monday. And he's like, Pastor Daniel, God looks totally different. I mean, it was dark, so I wouldn't have even rec- recognized. I just knew it was scary, scary moment. And he's like, do you remember when we ran into each other at the rest area on I-5? I'm like, yes, I do remember that. You know? 
And he's like, I've been clean and sober since that next morning. You know what I mean? And I'm like, what's God doing right now? And he's like, man, this, 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 and this. And he's like, I just want to honor the Lord. And I thought to myself, man, I'm so proud of you. Prayed with him. You know what I mean? But the thing is, is that the things you used to do when you fear God, you stop doing. Because you're like, I don't want this in my life. When you love your family, you stop doing certain things. If you love your bride, you stop looking at pornography. You love your kids, you stop getting angry with them. You know? You love the Lord, you want to, you fear the Lord, you stop doing all that stuff that, you know, sent Jesus to the cross. It's a response. And I want God to cultivate in us a holy fear of God. So that all of a sudden now our life starts to change because, yeah, I I mean, I want to do that. I've done that for years. I have an appetite to do that, but I fear the Lord. So why would I want to do that anymore? And those are the things we bring to the Lord and we say, Lord, take these things from me. We do the work that needs to be done because fear is a healthy part of a loving relationship. It's not a terrifying fear. It's a true caring that says, in order for this relationship to blossom, I need to decrease so that love can increase. And that's when John the Baptist says, he must increase, speaking of Jesus, but I must decrease. So we want to get, tell everyone the, the good news. We want to praise and fear the Lord. And, and look what it says, verse 26. It says, for all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and gladness are in his place. And if you have Jesus at the center of your life, you're going to live your life beholding God's glory. You need to behold God's glory. Now, the idea of beholding God's glory in this context means that there are other people who believe other things. And notice it doesn't say in these verses that you should hate other people who believe other things, that you should call them names, that you should not be friends with them. It doesn't say that at all. You just disagree about who God is. Right? And in the end of the day, I talk to people about this a lot. I think this, this is very, very important that as followers of Jesus, we should have a humble joy in our understanding of who God is. But we should not, like, nobody wants to know Jesus if the people who love Jesus are looking down on people. <laughs> you realize that. Like, I've always said, if someone's mean to you and judgmental to you, you never like, ooh, I want to know their God. Like, nobody ever gets saved when they've been judged by a Christian. Does that make sense? So I know we live in a day and age where people are like, it's not judgment, I just have righteous indignation. I'm like, no, you're just a jerk. <laughs> like, stop that. You know, it's like, it's like, it's the goodness of God that leads someone to repentance, people. And here's what I will tell you. Jesus becomes the most attractive when the people who know him behold his glory in the midst of their lives. Because notice what it says. It says, listen, that although the gods of the people are idols, The Lord made the heavens, so God is the creator. Honor and majesty are before him. So the creator God, honor and majesty are in front of him. His kingly nature is in front of him. And strength and gladness are in his place. So all the strength that you need for life and gladness. Now I love that. You know, I, I was just talking to someone just before service. They blessed my heart so much. Like, they're just sitting there like, I just want to soak in all the happiness of this place this morning. And you know what? I just love that about the Crossroads family. Because this is a place, because Jesus is here, there's joy here. 
And not, not that you're always, everyone's smiley from the teeth out. You know what I mean? But it's like, by and large, we should be happy people because gladness is in the presence of God. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean that when your heart is broken, you should just paste on a smile. You know what I mean? Like, because when your heart is broken, the people of God's the best place to be. Because someone will pray with you and encourage you and someone will walk with you and they'll weep with you when you weep. But the thing is, the key is not to be weeping forever. Though the sorrow may last for the night, joy comes in the morning. Right? But here's the thing. When you walk through life with Jesus as the center, all of a sudden you begin to see who God is, the glory of who he is. And King David was aware of this, Psalm 8, verses 1 to 4, one of my favorite, one of my favorite. Every time I say, oh, Lord, Lynn quotes this psalm to me. It's so fun. Like, I'll, I'll sigh, oh, Lord. And Lynn always goes, oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him. Isn't that so beautiful? Oh Lord, oh Lord, how majestic or how excellent is your name. And all your, you set your glory above the heavens. When I consider all that you made, I think to myself, who am I? And brothers and sisters, listen. God wants to restore to each one of us a holy awe. A wonder. He wants us to move through life with our hearts open, our eyes tuned in to the vivid colors of the nature of God, our ears open to hear the song of creation and the song of the good news. He wants our hands to be involved in the recreation of all that is broken until Jesus returns. As I bring this message to a close, I just want to encourage you, what does it look like for you to behold God's glory today? The Apostle Paul said, we hold this treasure in earthen vessels. That we get to handle the things of God in these very fragile earthbound bodies. And if we follow Jesus, if we let Jesus be the all-encompassing reality of our lives, we'll tell everybody, because the news is so good. It's so good. And we will praise him and we'll fear him to change our lives. And as we're doing that, we're going to behold his glory and we're going to share that glory. Jesus is Today, Pastor Daniel shared that fearing the Lord is a natural response to Him being at the center of your life. Along with knowing that you'll have to give an account of your life before God, fearing God also means that you don't want to do things that will hurt Him. Like any relationship, you want to protect the feelings of those you love. This is a healthy part of knowing the Lord. You must decrease so He can increase. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel, and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy, and the hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be, and it probably has been in the past. 
did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, you can, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances of your life. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when you'll discover more about how the reality of God's presence in your life will change your perspective. Pastor Daniel will encourage you to give back to the Lord what He's given you. Since you were given the glory of being made in His image, you can give God glory in return. You'll also learn that God has given you many gifts, talents that you can give back to Him to be used for the sake of others. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Presence. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.